I want to give you a jump start. Turn to Philippians 1. Philippians 1. This is actually a big jump start because we're not actually going to jump into Philippians 1 until toward the end of our time. Last week, we talked about first things first. And we talked about specifically this verse because this is the first thing. And it's um, the words of Jesus himself. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we're wondering, what's the main thing we need to accomplish at East Bay Calvary? What's the main thing I need to accomplish in my life? And you wonder, like, of all these rules that you hear about, and this is even Jesus telling these Pharisees, which are very rule-oriented, of all the commands we can do, What's the most important command? And Jesus says, I got it for you. Here's what it is. You need to love God. Now, that's different than what we may think. We may think, okay, what do I need to do? Is it church attendance? Is there a specific thing I make sure I don't do? And Jesus focuses on the core of everything. He says, you need to love God. And he says this because on on that, on that and loving your neighbors yourself, Everything hangs, like everything comes from that. And if that resonated with you last week, I just want you to think, here's some steps we can take toward loving God. Number one, know that he loved you first. Like good luck in loving him without knowing just what we observed a little bit ago, that he loves you and gave his son, Jesus, to die for your forgiveness, for you to have newness. And so we need to love him because he first loved us. Um, I would encourage you develop environments of relationship. In order to love God, there needs to be environments of relationship. I'm just going to tell you, here's a few things that are important to me. Not just loving God at church. Boy, I loved God when we sang that song. I loved God when we did that thing. I loved God when the pastor preached. You know, whatever may be the case. Well, the reality is God wants you to love him all week long. Love him at home. And so I, I encourage these worship environments, connect with his word at home. Um, how many of you have the Bible app? How many of you tinker with that? Yeah, great, great. So um, you just go and search apps. You don't need to do it right now, but go and search apps, pull up the Bible app. I'm going to tell you two devotionals that may be neat for you to start in 2022. Um, if you pull up the Bible app, one is called, if you just go in the search bar, one is called Love God Greatly. Love God greatly. It's eight weeks from David, and we're going to be getting back into our David series in just a few weeks. Love God greatly. Here's another app you could pull, or another devotional through the Bible app. Loving God by loving others. It's another great one. Loving God by loving others. Another one would be love does. And those are neat ways to be able to be in God's word, creating an atmosphere of relationship with him. I'm going to tell you another one is you just keep, the, keep your worship music playlist going. Develop this environment of relationship. Keep your worship list playlist going. And, and, and worship God in the car, um, in the shower, at your dinner table. But keep the worship list playlist going because the more we enjoy him, the more we spend time with him, the more we get to, to love him.
That's first things first. And still is the first thing. It should always be the first thing. Here's what we're going to walk into today. But what if things don't go according to plan? What if things don't go the way you're expecting? So how many of your plans for 2021 worked out just the way you thought? Yeah, exactly. How many of your plans for 2020 worked out just the way you thought? So you realize, you know what? Our plans don't always go the way we expect or hope. And, and we need to face it. You know, so much has changed. Things have changed for you. Things have changed for me. Things have changed for your family, for your work. Things have changed at businesses. Things have changed at churches. Nothing is exactly the same. And so just to state the obvious, there's been COVID, there's been Delta, there's now this Omicron, and there's other challenges that come into our life, and nothing is the way we expected it two years ago. I'm, I don't know, have you tried to buy a new car or even a used car in the last six months? You see what's happened to car prices? We sold, um, we had an extra vehicle, it was for our daughter that got married, and so we sold this thing, I don't know, five, six weeks ago? So I put it on Facebook Marketplace, and, um, you know, I put a little bit more money on it because um, that's the way cars are going now. I got 20 calls in three hours. Two of them, you ready for this? Two of them were from car dealerships, local big-name car dealerships saying, we need cars. We will buy it from you right now, cash. I almost wanted to go back to Facebook and change my price. Like, what did I not do right? Could you imagine this two years ago? Have, have you driven by the, the car lots on the main drag in 31? You realize they're almost all empty? I mean, it's insane. Here's another one. Like, we've tried about 10 times in the last six months to eat at Olive Garden. Have you tried that? We've gotten in once. Every time we show up there, it's like, it'll be an hour. I'm like, an hour? Realize I'm so skinny and I can't last an hour. Like, this is crazy. And the place is half full. Like, everything is changing. And friend, we need to talk about this morning. This is not a matter of if your life is going to change. It's not a matter of if your routine is going to change. It is. It has there's no way around it. And so what if things change? Well, as you're there in Philippians 1, and hopefully online you've connected with the same passage, I want to take you to first to Acts 16. I'm going to put it up on the screen. It'll be easy for us to focus and navigate together. And then we're going to get to Philippians 1 right where you are at right now. What if things change? They're going to. Look at this passage of change from Acts chapter 16, 6 to 12. So let's, let's look at this. It'll be up on the screen. Watch this as we work through this together. Notice what change came to these people that were there trying to spread the gospel. So here's how the passage reads. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept... Now, follow it. 
having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Change. So then when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to, so they passed by Mysia, and they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us, is what he said. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And on the next day, we went to Neapolis. John, I don't know, do you know that we have a small version of Neapolis in the United States? It's Minneapolis. Oh, sorry. That, I, uh, never mind. Okay, let's get back to this. <clears throat> From there, he says, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Now, I'm going to tell you, people, there is no greater passage that talks about change, detours, adjustments for the people of God than this one right here. And if we nail this thing down, this is going to be a help to you because change has come and change is Coming. So this is about 20 years after Christ's death. There were four men that led the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ into Europe. And here's, here's their names. Paul, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. There was Timothy, who was a younger elder and a new recruit of Paul. The third guy was Silas. He was a distinguished church leader. And then there was Luke, who actually wrote the book of Acts here. He was a historian and a physician. And I want to give you a visual of this change. So I'm going to show you this map here. This is a map of this specific missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And it's, it's his second missionary journey. And so if you look at the red lines, that is the way that he traveled through these provinces. And the upper red line is the direction that he is going. He's moving in this direction. You kind of see the arrows, and then he comes down this way. So I want to show you, every place you see a dot, that's where he stopped, and then that's where he developed the beginning stages of these churches. So I want you to see how the change worked here. So traveling through the region of Fergia and and also, he mentions Galatia. So he's moving from down here. You see um, Derby, Lystra, Iconium. That's, that's this region of Galatia that you see. And then moving on there, you see Fergia in the beginning of the green there. This is the direction that he's moving. And the reason why he's moving there, he wanted to go to Asia. And you see Asia just off to your left on the screen from Antioch, he wanted to go into this large mass region that he could preach the gospel. Now, here's the crazy thing. As he wanted to go there, it mentions he was kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching 
the word in Asia. Now, you would think this would be a prime place, an unreached place, a massive place. Let's get the gospel there. Let's get things going. And the Bible mentions he was kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching in Asia. So plans changed for him. And then he came to the border of Mysia, and you see how he goes north. And he's traveling along the border of Mysia. And he decides, let's go into Bithynia. Bithynia is obviously a very northernmost region in this area. It's almost like northern Michigan. Because, you know, people aren't going, you realize people aren't going through Traverse City to go somewhere else. It's like if people come to northern Michigan, it's like this is almost a dead-end street. You know, here's where you end. There's not this, I, I was on my way to Nebraska, and I just decided to go through northern Michigan. This kind of Bithynia. But what a strategic place. It's disconnected. It's unreached. It's not a pastor. Let's preach the gospel there. And notice what the text mentions. He says, the spirit of Jesus said, no, I don't want you to be preaching there at this point. It wouldn't allow them to. Plans change. Does this make sense to you? If it does, then you need to come up here because this doesn't make much sense to me. If you're the Apostle Paul, you heard this word, Jesus' great commission, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to connect with them all. So Paul's like, great, let's go to Asia. No. Okay, um, let's go to Bithynia. No. I want you to notice one other thing. Can you pop that map back up here? Remember the dots are churches? You see how close these dots are? Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. Notice how big of a stretch between the next dot. All the way over here to Troas. You ever take a detour? And you say, man, this has taken way longer than if we went the main route. What a waste of time. Why is everything getting held up? How unproductive. And this may not make much sense to me, it may not make much sense to you, but this unintended detour, this unintended route, this unforeseen issue has come up. And the big deal, what's most intriguing to me, is that these detours on Paul's missionary journey are actually caused by God. They're caused by God. So I want to give you a first thing. If you're writing down your Bible, if you've got a little note, this is important to keep in touch with. Here's the big deal. Our detours, our detours are God's destination. I know that they may not make much sense. But our detours are God's destination. I know they're not efficient. I know they seem like wasted time on the road. But we know from this passage, it's not that they're accidental. It's not that they don't have design or a plan. Our detours are determined. They are God's destination. And so then here, let me, let me just show you this. If you could pop back to the map, I want to show you something else here. 
So they make their way down to this port city here of Troas, and that's where they hunker down for the night. And as they're hunkered there, there's this vision that Paul gets in his sleep of a man from Macedonia begging him to come there and preach the gospel. And so here they weren't planning to, to cross over and go to Neapolis and then to Philippi. But here's where they, they hunker down and then there was that vision. So they went, you see the little island of Samothrace right there where they spent the night and then they went over ahead to Neapolis and ended up in Philippi, which is a primary port and region um, there in Macedonia. And so here, another plan, not a part of theirs, but they set sail, they went for it. And now you know why we're just about to look into Philippians in just a minute. And then finally, after that change, I just need to tell you, here's what happened leading up to it. And so this goes to the rest of chapter 16. So um, Paul and Silas, they come across this woman who's demon-possessed. And she actually could foretell the future. And so she was a slave girl, and people owned her. And they used her ability to foretell the future for their profit. So they're making money off this girl. She's going ahead and telling like a fortune teller people their future, and so they're, they're just pulling in the cash from all these people. And this, this girl kept annoying Paul, saying that he's of the Lord, and he, she just kept saying it and saying it and saying it. And so finally, Paul turns to her and says, enough of this. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command that spirit to come out of you. And it did. Well, these people lost their moneymaker. Like, they lost their cash flow. And they got so upset, they ended up having Paul and Silas going before the authorities. Look at what happened. So here, all of these detours, can't go to Asia, can't go to Bithynia. I want you to go to Macedonia. They go to Macedonia, and then look what happened. Look at the verses here in verses 16 to 24 of Acts. right on the screen. He says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, fastened their feet in stocks. Okay, are you kidding me? You can't go to Asia. You can't go to Bithynia. They go to Troas, go over to Philippi. Boom, here we are. This is great. You're getting beaten with rods and you're thrown in prison. This, friends, does not look pretty. And you could be wondering, why in the world is this going on? How do you feel when things change in your life? What emotions come to you when things change? I'm going to tell you a change I went through. It was back in 1994. I bought a brand new Honda Civic. Brand new sticker price was $10,500. Days have changed, haven't they? And I remember I got this new car. I told God, I want to use this for your glory, for your honor. I don't want to do anything stupid. And so I was actually helping people. There's one day, there was a kid in my youth group back in 1994. His name was Aaron. His dad died. And he wanted to buy a car. And his mom didn't want to be taken advantage of in car shopping. So I said, hey, I'll take you in my brand new car and let's go car shopping together so they did boom they jumped in i'm driving them through the roads of springfield ohio and wouldn't you know it a drunk driver comes 
and just collides into my driver's side and took the front bumper right off of my brand new car. And it was $7,000 of damage. Guess how I felt? God, I'm trying to do all of this. I'm, I'm trying to do things for you. And look what happens. And I drive the most embarrassing rental car for three weeks while that thing's getting fixed. And then I have to fork out a deductible that I never felt I would have to. And here we go through this whole ordeal. And, and I don't know how you get when things change. But typically we go through frustration we go through anger, we go through disappointment, despair, anxiety, discouragement. We say, why in the world are things changing? So here in prison, after all of these detours, after being beaten and put in stocks, here's Paul and Silas's response in Acts 16.25. It says, after midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Friend, is that how you respond when things change? What are you doing around midnight when things change? Worrying? Fretting? Stewing? Getting frustrated and anger? And here's these guys in stocks after being beaten, and here they are singing. What? Here they are praising God. Here they are praying, and it's not a little holy huddle. This thing is like, hey, everyone else, welcome to our worship service. We're just about to praise God publicly for what he's doing in your life, and you wonder why in the world? How could they praise God and pray and have a verbal witness with all these people when they're going through these kinds of things? I'm just going to give it the end of the story. An earthquake comes, breaks their chains. The jailer thinks everyone has gotten out and he's just about to kill himself and Paul inside and say, hold on, hold on, we're all here. The jailer comes to Christ, his whole family comes to Christ, and then, boom, the whole church at Philippi explodes. Whole church. So here's, in Philippians 1 now, I know you're wondering, when's he going to get to this thing? Here we go. How could Paul and Silas have a spirit like that with detour after detour after detour and then beatings and then imprisonments. How can they have a spirit like that through all of this? It's Philippians chapter one. And this should make so much sense. Philippians one, verse six. Look at this. Philippians one, six. Here's the verse. In fact, um, do we have it on the screen? Yeah. Would you read it from the screen with me? Friends, this is so powerful. How could they have a spirit after all these detours, disruptions, detainment? Here it is. Let's read it together. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion unto the day. Boom. If I had a mic up here, I'd be doing one of these people. How in the world 
Can they go through detour after detour after detour after beating after imprisonment? Because here's the whole point. This is the big deal. This is what you need to write down. This is what you need to put in your phone. Friend, this is what you need to remember for 2022. This is the big point. God disrupts our plans so he can deliver on his. You see it? God disrupts our plans so he can deliver on his. And so the apostle uses this word, being confident, being confident of this. So here's this word confidence, and this is what we need to feel, experience, understand, put in our mind and in our heart. When disruptions come, when change comes, when our routine is wrecked, we have confidence. And here's what this word confidence means. It is a passive word that means fully persuaded. And notice the confidence not in us. Being confident in yourself, no. Being confident in your plan, no. Being confident in your routine, no. In your history, in your ability, in your expectations, being confident in government or whatever else is going around, no. It says, I want you to be fully persuaded in this. And this persuasion on his part isn't merely a theology lesson. He says, I've experienced it too. I know God's in control. I know he does the right things. And let me just put it out there. You need to be persuaded that when things change, it's just your plan changing. It's not God's plan. God can change your plan so he delivers on his. And he says, so so stick with me, he says. I've been through the detours. I've been through the beatings. I've been through the detainment. And in the end, God always delivers on his plan without fail. I've seen it. He says, I want you to be convinced of it. You need to be convinced of it. God disrupts our plans so he can deliver on his. I want to give you these things as we finish up. So what is God's plan? That, what is that work in us? What in the world is he referring to? So here's two things. Number one, um, God's plan is redemption. God's plan is redemption, not our routine. God's plan is redemption, not our routine. For some, this may be a toughie to work through. Because we find comfort in our routine, we find a calm in the sameness. This may come as a surprise. I may step on some toes. God isn't terribly enamored with our plan or our routine. God's not there thinking, how can I keep their life the same? That's not what he's into. I mean, imagine we get to heaven, we talk to the Apostle Paul, we see him in a little corner and he's telling everyone man i was shipwrecked 
I was beaten. I was stoned until I almost died. You know, like I traveled thousands of miles to plant churches. And we're like, Paul, bro, that's nothing. Like our Wi-Fi went down one Sunday. Like this is like really, really. God's not into our routines as much as we are. He's into redemptive purposes. And truthfully, in our routine, oftentimes we drift away from. wonder what the Apostle Paul would have done if he lived now, facing COVID. Oh, what can we do as a church? Might as well just... Hope it all passes eventually so we can get back to what we've always been doing. Actually, I think the Apostle Paul would have been pretty stinking aggressive through this. Okay, detour. Let's get on with redemption plans. Let's get on with advancement. If we can't go this way, let's go another way. Let's move this thing. Because redemptive purposes need to advance, not so much our routine. And today's church's rigidity, I believe, is our greatest hindrance to redemptive advancement. God doesn't work that way. He never did it before. Not going to find it in the Bible, and you won't find it now. God's plan is redemption, not our routine. God's plan goes beyond us. This is another thing I want to put out there. I love this because he says, he will carry it on to completion Notice it doesn't say until you die. It's even beyond that. He's going to carry his plan to completion until, it says right in there, the day of Jesus Christ. And I'm just here to tell you, that day hasn't come yet. Like it's coming in the future. And so his redemptive advancement is going to continue in us, through us, beyond us. All the way to the point when Jesus comes back. And that hasn't happened yet. But it's going to keep on going. And Paul says, you know what? I know it's going to happen. I'm so persuaded of this. You need to be persuaded through your changes, through your detours, through your detainment. God's redemptive plan will continue. And it's going to continue even beyond you. And you know what? The Apostle Paul was right because here we are 2,000 years after him. And guess what? Here's the gospel advancement still continuing. So let's finish up. Remember, I, I trim this by a minute, which means I only go over 10 minutes. Your life and routine is going to change, friend. Oh, yes. I know it has already. Uh, take your seatbelt, fasten it. It's going to change. It's probably going to happen in 2022. You're going to feel it's not a matter of if, it's when. And I want, I want to leave you with two things. Man, these are so important. What, what do we take away from what we learned? Here's number one. Be persuaded to have confidence in God. Be persuaded to have confidence in God. Not confidence in our plan, confidence in our expectations, our history, our government, our ideas, but being confident of this very thing. That 
the one who started this thing is going to finish it. Even through the detours, even through the detainment, he's going to do it. Friend, if your plans change, if your world upends, know that's the time to trust God. I don't understand it. God's up to something, people. He is. He's going to do it. He's done it in the past. He's going to do it again until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? He's going to do it until the day of Jesus Christ. Don't worry if the routine is wrecked. His redemptive plan moves forward. Here's number two. And I think he knew I was going to finish with this. Focus on redemption, not on routine. Focus on redemption, not on routine. Instead of saying, how do we get everything back to the way it was? Center on mission. Center on movement. A true gospel focus requires flexibility adaptability, seizing every moment for kingdom purposes. Our plan may not be completed. That's okay. It's his plan and purpose that must be. God's plan of redemption will continue, even if it's not your plan. Focus on redemption, not routine. I remember um, 16 years ago, one of our little girls, and I've talked to you about this before, had, um, she was vomiting. She was in intense pain. And we took her into ER where we were in New York, smaller hospital in the town we were in. We took her there. And they did um, some scans of her insides. And, and I remember the doctor coming in and he said, your girl is very, very sick. And there's nothing we can do for her right here. She needs to go up to Syracuse. It's an hour and a half away. She needs to go to the children's hospital. Here's what's going on. And they need to do surgery. Our plan has changed. So my wife got in the ambulance and went up and I followed in my car. And I remember thinking in my head, like, why? Why? Why the change? What's going on? And we get up to Syracuse, and, and if you've been in those rooms, and, and we didn't have a room to ourselves, the only thing that separated us from the people next to us was just a hanging sheet. You, you, you probably have seen those. There's no privacy. You hear everything from one side to the other. And as we're in and we're focused on our girl, I hear in the, the next area through the sheet, a doctor walk in, and he's telling these parents, Okay, the second stent in your daughter's brain failed. We need to try a third. And as we were in our little room, I just understood, okay, uh, I think I need to go next door. Of course, there's nothing to knock on. It's just a sheet, you know. I just poked my head through. I said, I'm sorry. 
Can I come in for a second? I'm a pastor. And I just feel God has me here right now to pray with you and to help you. And they said, would you please? And I went in there and I prayed. This poor little girl with half her head shaved completely so they could do the surgery. And I remember finishing up and going back to my room and I heard him next door, no joke. And they said to each other, we need to turn things around with God. We need to get back to church. Our detour, God's destination, right? Our detour, God's destination. Friend, you are going to see that detour sign this year. Just like we did in 2021 and 2020, you're going to see it. My encouragement is be flexible. Have confidence in God. He knows what he's doing. He's going to complete his plan. Let's not say, how do I keep going on my same road? But instead say, it's not my routine. It's redemptive purpose. To be flexible, adaptable, adjustable. To keep the mission of the gospel at our center focus. Would you stand with me? And so the gospel needs to be your center focus today too. Or this just doesn't make any sense. And for the gospel to be your center focus, here's what we do. Just what we celebrated at communion. I believe Jesus died for me. There's no way for my acceptance with him, there's no way for a relationship with God, there's no way to be forgiven apart from Jesus Christ. I believe that needs to be your first step. Second step, believers, let's flex. For gospel advancement purpose, let's be ready. And may he get the glory for it. Father, in the name of Jesus, in that powerful name we pray today. We don't feel like saying it. We've never had a singing celebration because of our detours. But thank you, God. You're up to something. And forgive us when we demand our root or remain inflexible with what you're doing. Help us to bend, to follow your road, to do what you want. And God, in it, advance your kingdom, advance your word, advance the gospel of Jesus, advance your fame and recognition. Because to you be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. 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 God bless 2022 through all of your changes and adjustments. And God bless your afternoon. Have a good one, friends. See you in the back in just a minute.